You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. This is the first episode of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and I hope you are as excited for this as I am. We'll see how this turns out. I cannot promise you that this is going to be good. I can't even promise you that it will be entertaining. But what I can promise you is that this is a podcast. Tonight, we will be discussing the new Caldor, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, the new Caldor models for Necromunda. I will be discussing with Pimp Cronette, my wife, uh, the wife's perspective of Warhammer. And we will also be discussing custom rules for fighting in Manifactorum worlds with Loremaster Alex. We will also be answering some fan mail about how to get into the blogging game, and we will be covering a little bit of my free rules, use-your-own-models, custom skirmish war game with RPG light elements called Brutality. So, without further ado, let's get the show on the road. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey, guess what time it is, kids? It's time for us to open up the old Tesseract mailbag. And uh, with me, I have my um, fembot, Mandy. Fembot? Fembot. Isn't that out of uh, Futurama? It is from Futurama. She got a cultural reference, people. That's amazing. Yeah, she doesn't ever watch Futurama, so that's that, that just warmed my heart. Yeah. Um, so you want to go ahead and read this letter from who? It is from Jason. Jason says, to pimp. I love your articles. You're the only reason I go to B-O-L-S. Bowls. Bowls. Yeah. So many people have no clue what satire is, and I know it must be hard to deal with these nut jobs. I am hoping... (laughs) I am hoping to start writing for a blog if I can get my name out there. Any good advice to get noticed? Keep up pimp power. Well, thank you very much, number one, uh, Jason, for the accolades. Um, I am universally ador- adored, after all. And um, But enough of that. I appreciate you saying that you like my articles, and I appreciate you reading them, and I appreciate how much I appreciate stuff because i'm using that word a lot you'll like appreciating i really appreciate that word so (laughs) but um yes satire is very hard to uh well you know actually it comes pretty naturally to me so satire is not hard for me to write i enjoy writing it and i think it's hard to understand for a lot of people because the internet is just chock full of nutty stuff and craziness and all that so um, I can definitely see where a lot of people think that you're being serious because I just saw a video a while ago about a woman that was in love with a roller coaster. So is that real? Is that not real? I don't know, but it seemed pretty real to me. So that's just one example of the internet is full of stuff that you would normally go, oh, that is hilarious and tragic and it's actually true. So I kind of can't blame people when they don't know that I'm joking because I'm pretending not to joke and trying to be serious. But meanwhile, there's a deeper meaning. Um, it's that picking out that deeper meaning that I think our culture in general has a difficult time finding. Yeah, well, um, remember, I forget, and somebody's going to absolutely crucify me probably on the email for forgetting this guy's name. But um, remember, there's a, a satirist, satirical writer in like the, I'll say 1800s. I'm just totally 
fudging this. Just throw something out there. And um, he was talking about the potato famine in Ireland, and he suggested that they eat all the babies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I can't prove this. I'm pretty sure that was me in a past life. I I just, there's no proof of it. But how, how often, there is at least three times a week I suggest we eat one of our children. That... Yeah. Isn't that the truth? I, well, we, we've run out of potatoes. <laughs> I, I did and, buy a bag. And I'm not driving all the way to the store for potatoes. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm, saying. I'll plant some next year. I'll put some <laughs> out in the yard. So uh, I, I'm way off topic here. Yeah, the... So what did he want? He wanted to... <laughs> <laughs> He needed to know. He was looking for some advice, dude. Some advice. He wants to know how to get noticed in, oh. in, this, in this blogging world of yours. Okay. Well, this is my blogging world. I do take full responsibility for it. But um, I can only tell you how I have done it. Number one, um, you definitely have to have something to say, which sounds stupid but um, you really need to have some sort of voice out there, have an opinion, and have uh, you know exactly what your theme is and what you want to talk about. But as far as getting noticed, you have to first have a resume, and this is none of this is an absolute requirement, but it will help your um, uh, chances when you're submitting to an, a website. And um, uh, you should definitely pre-write like four or five of your best ideas and make them into articles. And then have like basically a portfolio or a resume that you would email to the editor of a website. Usually always a website will have a contact us link or email or something like that. And when you initially got started on Talk War Gaming, Talk War Gaming they, had a, they had a post or something up like that, right? That yes. you clicked on and you went through that way. Yes. And that is actually how I, I remember I talked to you and you encouraged me to do it. And, um, you know, I was pretty iffy on it. But honestly, it's a lot of fun. And uh, so anyway, they were actively looking for writers at the time. And actually, I believe they they are, again, um, all these years later, four years later, they're I think they're doing another drive. But um, so go over to talkwargaming.com and uh, submit your stuff to them. I don't know what their e- email is off the top of my head. But um, anyway, um, so go ahead and write several articles up. And, you know, if you're trying to be funny be funny. If you're not funny, don't try to be funny. You know, nothing, everything doesn't have to be funny. It could be dead serious. There's lots of people that write articles on serious competitive lists or, you know, this or that for Warhammer. And that's, they have an audience. I mean, honestly, you don't have to stress about all of this. Um, You will find somebody to read your articles. And even if one person, like you could get down about your uh, view count, you know, like, oh, I wrote an article and only a hundred people, you know, looked at this page. That really sucks. No, it doesn't suck. There's a hundred people have spent time to look at your article, which is amazing. Think about it. Try to go into a room of a hundred people and get all of them to listen to you. Like it just doesn't happen in real life. So, um, don't get discouraged and keep your chin up and, um, just have that resume ready and make sure it's your best ideas, the cream of the crop. And hopefully the editors will like your style and what you have to say. And hopefully that wasn't your uh, your whole load there. Hope you didn't just blow it on those five articles because you will have a very short career as a blogger. How many articles have you written now? Uh, I have been doing this as of this recording date. I've been blogging for four years and three of it has been at Bell of Lost Souls. All for free, mind you. And... Um, I am at, um, well, last three years have been 52 articles a year. That's 150. And then Talk Wargaming wasn't quite as frequent. So 
I'm I'm between 250 and 300 articles I've written, um, and all about um, 800 to 1,000 words. So I added all that up um, the the other day, just as rough estimates. And I've I forget how many pages it was, but it was enough for like a novel. Like I I've written like a 400 page novel, you know, not sequential because you know. I mean, I could put all that in novel form. It would probably wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Nothing that ever comes out of you is sequential. <laughs> or makes sense. Or makes sense. Yeah. So at least it fits with your style. Yeah. But okay. anyway. I so think we answered his question. Good luck with that. Good and, luck, uh, Jason. With Jason. Yeah. yeah. Good luck with that, and thank you for writing in. Want that or want that not? In today's episode of Want That or Want That Not, I am joined today by the man who visits me in my dreams, Lore Master Alex. Against your will, I might add. Against my will. So, my own personal Freddy Krueger. Um, today we will be covering the Caldor clan of Necromunda. Basically, the religious fanatics of the 40k universe made isn't, manifest. Wait, isn't everybody a religious fanatic of the 40k universe? Yeah, but these guys are a whole nother level. I believe the kids nowadays call it extra. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't, honestly, I'm too old to know even what that means. So, I've heard the term. Um, some people are basic, some people are extra, and I don't know the difference, so. Well, that makes you basic, Scott. <laughs> So, what do these models look like? I actually really like the look of these. Yeah, I mean, they definitely give that kind of, you know, they do look like a bunch of, you know, religious bums, which is, I feel like what they're trying to go for, because if you think about it, they're in the underhive of Necromunda. So, probably money is not going to be one thing that they have nor care about. It's so, probably a truck to Walmart yeah. for new clothes. So, usually... Yeah, you know, they have to cobble together from what they can find. Which, if you look at their guns too, like those pike weapons that they've got, they definitely look like just scrapped together from spare parts and you know meat hook weaponry. I I do really like them. Um, I don't know how they pull the trigger. I'm trying to figure that out as I look at it, but I do really like those. They're all strapped together, taped together, all of that. It's almost as if, like, these guys saw a picture of what an Adeptus Custodius looks like. That's what I was thinking, too, actually. They're like, oh, my idol, I must replicate him. It's like a bad cosplayer. They try to cobble it together from, like, homebrew. With duct tape. With duct tape, and, yeah. yeah. Like, I remember my first cosplay I've ever done. That that just takes me back, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's Poison Ivy. Yeah, I remember yeah, that's Poison Ivy. That's totally what I did. <laughs> now, can we please talk about all of the candles. What is the deal with all of the candles? Well, you know, it, it is the underhive. I assume they can't afford flashlights. Oh, come on. Uh, or <laughs> fleshlights, for that matter. Once again, uh, Walmart not being yeah, readily uh, available. Yeah, batteries are a hard commodity. But also, you think about it, they probably live inside, like, a chapel, right? Okay. In the underhive, because they are religious fanatics. So most of them are either vagrants, bums, and most of the time, if they need a, cold, a warm place to sleep, they'll probably sleep inside a chapel. Okay. And what's inside a chapel? Candles. But why would you wear them? Why would you wear the candle? That's that's what... No, there's not literally one model who is holding a candle. All the candles are perched on their shoulders like parrots. Or on their head, for crying out loud. Maybe uh, maybe they, they, they were in the chapel so long that some of the candles melted and landed on them and now it's stuck to them. Oh, fell off like a chandelier. Yeah. And just stayed burning. That's pretty... That's pretty wicked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and you look at the leader guy, he's got so many candles on him, it kind of makes That's sense. That's how they denote rank. Yeah. See, this dude on the right here, he's got three candles, so he's kind of a big deal. 
But this guy with the banner, God, he owns stocking candles, and he's he is he is to be feared. He is. His name is Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's uh he is uh, Lord Yankee of the uh or of the uh Cador clan. No. Now, what's interesting is the old models actually used to have hoods, and only a couple of them had that like um uh Cyclops from X Men mask where yeah. the hat sticks out. But actually, almost. Every one of these guys has that Cyclops mask now. And I feel like that's important because I feel like that denotes that they are a part of the clan, like of the Cawdor clan. And the two higher up guys have some sort of hoods. Yeah. So, so. I think maybe they, that's what they were trying to do is to denote rank better hmm. via candle and or hood. These guys almost have like a fallout feel to them. I mean, it's yeah, it is medieval, you know, ish. But um, with the candles and whatnot. But they very much resemble like the children of Adam yes. from uh, Fallout uh, 4 yep. in that regard. And I love how the one dude doesn't even have a shoe. <laughs> yeah, like just miss like, that, that one guy. He's extra, man. Uh, I suppose. I will take your word for it that he is extra. What's funny is he's not the only guy, other guy that doesn't have a shoe. This oh, guy's that guy doesn't shoe either. It's the, same si- it's the same shoe, too, which is what terrifies me. Like oh, the same foot. That is, you know, they are probably mutated though. If you live in the underhive, you God knows what kind of mutagen or radioactivity. So, or there may be inbred. We don't know. Oh, or inbred. Yeah, that's true. Um, so my question was: is maybe they like this guy was born with like two left feet? <laughs> and one guy was born with two rights. Know, well, I mean, they're both they're twins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Budweiser commercial, here we come. My brother but, got all the good genes. He got both left feet. <laughs> so, all in all, do you like these? I like them. I think they would be actually really fun to mod into Chaos Cultists. I was thinking the same exact thing. Also, the giant explosive tipped crossbow that this guy made, homebrew, yeah. just really gets my motor running. Because I feel like that's something, you know, you would definitely see, like a gang member or somebody who's like trying to scavenge to survive, you would make as a crossbow. Yeah. And the one guy's got a Molotov cocktail. The other dude looks like he's got two pistols. Um, that's very interesting to me. I really like this, the uh, design of these models. I agree. My only complaint is they're in the middle of an underhive, mm-hmm. mind you, where it's very crowded, tight, confined spaces. Mm-hmm. Why the hell do they have bill hooks? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just... It, I mean, if Games Workshop can give me a reason why it works in the in the rules and stuff, okay, I'll give it to you. But I'm just imagining like the guy lifts the thing up to like attack somebody with an above head attack, and it just gets stuck on something, you know? Yeah, no, that's that's completely or turning a corner or anything. That's the same reason why they you know saw off shotguns or whatever for it to be a, a shorter you know turn radius. Yeah, you know, so you don't bang into stuff. Exactly. Um, but all in all, I mean, I really like the nooses around everybody, too. I don't know exactly what that means, but um, it's kind of like they've all tried to kill themselves or something, and they've all been cut down. I don't know. I don't really know the purpose of that. Like, they're willing to kill themselves for their religion or something. Or maybe they're the hangman of their religion. I guess. They go out and hunt down heretics or something. But these would make really cool chaos cultists, and I also think about them for brutality, too. Because yeah. nearly every, actually every single model is unique. Yeah. Every single one of them has a different pose, and that's pretty sweet. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things we're like with the cultists is that they're very much our cookie cutter. So mixing these guys in with a cultist group, I think, would be a great combination. Yeah, because the cultists only have, what, like three three to five unique sculpts, and, then, and that's it. And then they have, like, the commander, the big gun, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, with the shotgun and all. But, I mean, there's really not that many sculpts for cultists. So yeah. this actually would be pretty—now, I don't know the price on this, but— 
they do look pretty cool, and I definitely want this. Even though I don't play Necromunda, I want that. What yeah, about you? Same here. I would say, as as a guy who you know mods a lot, I would definitely say, yeah, I would want it. All right. There you have it, folks. We both want that. Now, here's an idea. Welcome to another edition of, well, here's an idea. Today, it is I, the Pimp Cron, as always, and I am joined here by my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend, the serial rapist, Warmaster Alex. <laughs> hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> so, uh, today we are going to discuss making some rules for playing on a... Manufacturing world. Manufacturing world. I already forgot what we were talking about. So, Do you want to start over? No, that's oh, good. We're, we're just going to keep going with this now? <laughs> keep going. Fuck, oh, alright. This is, this is the fourth take. Screw it, we'll do it live! <laughs> we'll do it live! <laughs> anyway. Oh. Okay, so anyway, we're going to work on a Manufactorum world. Now, why would this be interesting to us? Number one, I think there'd be a lot of cool things you could do for the... Uh, we're not doing a mission per se, but you're doing some... Uh, rules that would layer over a regular game just to theme it yeah so like we could do pollution themed yeah pollution themed you could do uh like because you have to look at the way a manufacturer world fits into the lore of things i being the lore master i should probably point that out you know a lot of imperial worlds are manufacturing worlds so the idea that Everybody always talks about, oh, there's all these different manufacturing worlds, but there's no real rules or nobody's ever really come up with ideas for, like, adding flavor to a map. Yeah. It kind of bugs me. So, you know, you can do you know, pollution. You can do, like, the terrain is so um, mined out in the area that if a basilisk round hits in a certain area or an artillery round misses its target, it has a chance to create a fissure in the ground and, and sink the other vehicle or people around it. True. Maybe they've ho hollowed out the planet. And God knows you could be walking on a bad section and it fall through or something like that, too. Exactly. Um, what about lava? Like, they've uh, messed with the core of the planet and lava can come out. Yeah, so you'd have, like, fissures and lava rivers forming and moving. Yeah. Um, one of the ones I really like, too, is the fact that you have to look at the size of these planets and how most of the time planetary governors tend to be on the unfeeling side. Mm -hmm. So mutants are prevalent in a lot of these kind of worlds. Because where... of all the pollution. Well, yeah, because of all the pollution. So, like, you could have the idea of, like, again, with the hollowed-out planet, like, randomly mining mutants would come popping out of the Earth because mm -hmm. they were basically miners who were abandoned by the planetary governor. Yeah, or Gene Sealer Cult. Yeah, or Gene Sealer Cult, which is, I mean, they basically thrive in, in worlds like that. Yeah, um, this particular setting seems to me like it would be ripe for a random table. Yeah. Um, like, you know, Gas Cloud that's acidic and, and does minus one to armor saves for that unit for the rest of the game. Or um, dishes out mortal wounds or does something to their leadership like it's some hallucinogenic gas. Um, those type of things. Uh, as always with the rules uh, for game design, everything is a plus one, minus one, not a plus ten, minus ten. Yeah. So, you don't um, want it to be overkill. Yeah. So to me, I would do... Um, uh, a random chart, make like 10 options, or I guess 12, because you're probably going to use 2d6 for Warhammer. Yeah. And do like gas cloud, you know, um, acidic gas cloud as one of them. Uh, you know, uh, a hallucinogenic gas cloud, hole in the ground, you know, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. And another cool thing you could probably do too is with the actual terrain. Like, um, being able to say, like, you roll on a, on a table and 
as you get moved closer to a structure, you find out, oh, this structure has sentry defenses, and when they left, they didn't shut them down. Yeah. So now it has a chance to overwatch you. Yeah. Wouldn't that be crazy? Or even, like, you could go with, uh, you know, this terrain was built by an idiot who thought that, oh, the mine will never go dry, so he built it to last. Mm-hmm. So when you're inside it, it gives you plus one to your cover saves. Stuff like plus, that. Plus, yeah, so plus two to your saves, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Covers plus one, so... Um, yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty interesting. I like the uh, idea that maybe when you approach a building, it overwatches you. Yeah, like, is... oh shit! <laughs> your cultists um, think you're gonna find a safe haven. They were wrong. <laughs> now, something else that is interesting to me is, as far as the board, what if you did something like, um, uh, I like the idea of like teleporting a unit going underground. So, what if you had like hatches that you put scattered about on the board mining networks? Uh, yeah, and they could go up. Your unit could get in base contact with that and go in it. Yeah. And then maybe maybe put six of them or three of them on the table and roll randomly for what which one you come out. Exactly. Because they'd be like this big network of... Well, that's helpful. Uh, I guess I'll leave it in. So, <laughs> Alex just shit himself, people. I just thought you should know. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So, um, but anyway, so I think that's pretty interesting. So, how would you... How would you go about doing a random table? I, f- I feel like I... At the beginning of each turn, you start rolling a dice for every unit that you own. Each player turn, yeah. you roll a dice for each unit you own. On a six, you stop rolling any further, and that unit gets to roll on a 2d6 chart, which will be all the things that we've been mentioning. So um, let's say they uh, step on an old pipe that's sticking out of the ground, and they get minus one leadership uh, for either this turn or you could do it permanently. Um, or what I like better is let's say they have some sort of panic attack because there's some sort of weird energy field beneath them that affects them in some way or whatever, make them do leadership or battle shock, you yeah. know? So like they, they physically could lose people because they're like, Oh crap. And they got people fleeing. I like that. Also, another way I, if I was doing it, how I'd probably run it is I would create the list and then have them be like random events that could happen in the game. Like, you would say, okay, we're going to pick out of this list, we're going to roll for three of them to occur. So, say, for example... Each a turn? No, no, just in-game. Oh. Like, uh, for example, if you roll... Like, say you roll a 12. Okay, so that means one section of the map is going to have brittle uh, land surface. Uh-huh. And then uh, you would then roll, let's say, a D6, and it would tell you what section is going to have it. So, whatever vehicle, whatever infantry is over that, if, you know... It gives them minus one to their com- to their saves because they're they're they gotta hold on or, you know. Or it could make them do dangerous train like on the yeah. roll of a one they take a wound or. Yeah, something exactly like that. something like that. Um, or like with the objectives, if for example you rolled for mutant attack or gene stealer cult attack, mm-hmm. you could say like one of the one random objective marker when your opponent gets close to it, or whenever somebody gets close to it, gene stealer cult members will pop out like just a squad of them. Yeah. And you have to fight them off. And you could say, in exchange, if you actually wipe out the Gene Stealer cult in the first turn they show up, you get an extra, I don't know, victory point. Or, um, a lot of times I have an issue with, um, I like that idea, and I own Gene Stealer cult, so it'd be perfectly fine for us to play that. A lot of people may not own Gene Stealer cult, so you could do Tyranids, you could even do Orcs, for crying out loud, but there's an infestation. Or shit, even if you got like a Necromunda gang sitting around that you want to break out. Just gangers pop out, yeah. Um, now... (laughs) I've come for you, He-Man. I was gonna say that's the Skeletor (laughs) voice, but, um... 
but what I was going to say is a lot of times I have a problem with putting models physically on the board that are not part of either army mm. because like who who controls them and who is you know do you actually have to shoot them or attack them what I would prefer to do is let's say that um, it's all in your mind that they pop up. So if you roll that on that table, say, oh, this unit, dis these group of whatever you want to call it, pops out. They do, like, D6 wounds that are savable before they're being mowed down or yeah. something like that. You know, that that at least wouldn't have models on the table, and you don't have to worry about, oh, well, it's your turn, then it's my turn, then it's their turn. Or, yeah. you know, like... It does add, like, an extra layer of... Um... What's the word I'm looking for? Like cinematic or... C cinematicness to it. Um, but my way, of course, I'd say it would make it a little more complex. So yeah. if you do it my way, that's if you like complexity. If you want to do something more cool, cinematic, I think Scott's idea is better. So I actually kind of got to give it to you. That's a good idea. All my ideas are good. But I appreciate that, that you noticed that. So is your luscious hair. <laughs> my I, hair, yeah. That's that I sniff while you're sleeping. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so... Uh, as far as that goes, um, so we've talked about leadership issues. We've talked about um, minus one armor save, like if something's corrosive. Um, what about, it was your idea previously, like if um, artillery misses, like um, let's say they don't hit at all, like a basilisk round or whatever. Um, let's say they roll a one to hit or something like that. Yeah. You would actually roll on the table when that happens because you've disturbed something beneath the ground and let go of gas or whatever, or a gene store cult pops up out of the hole. Or There's an Alex underneath uh, the ground. There's an Alex <laughs> under the ground shitting himself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Well, I was thinking, like, you know, you fire the artillery gun and the, the ground shakes so hard underneath the basilisk shot that the ground caves in underneath the basilisk. Yeah. And you and have a chance of losing the tank or... Taking, not losing, but like taking damage, like hall points or something. Yeah, um, or even, you know, with vehicles, you could bring back the old immobilized results. You know, like, oh crap, they're in this this part of the board that is hollow, and then if something happens, like they roll that on the table or whatever, the then all of a sudden... sunk into the ground. It doesn't move anymore. Yeah. Like, that's, a, you know, movement reduced to zero, no charging. Like, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Um. So, to me, what interests me about this type of thing is that you're adding flavor to a normal game. You're not, like, it's not a special mission. You could use it with any mission. It's just adding, uh, you know, flavor or, um, I'd like to think of another word besides flavor, but, um. Cinematicness to it. Yeah. D diversity, really. Yeah. Um, is what's great about that, is that you're making your game more diverse, which can really spice up, you know, for guys like me who have played the game for a very long time. You know, being able to alter the game just a little bit for fun, even if it's not in a tournament setting, mm -hmm. if it's just you and your buddies just want to try something different, try something cool, mm -hmm. you know, oh, let's do a scenario, let's do this, let's do that. Hey, maybe if you're like, you know, I don't know, the mini wargaming guys and you want to do one of their, you know, beat map bat reps or one of their, Ro their Warhammer, you know, mission stories. But you've played regular games umpteen times yeah. over and over and over. Yeah. Um, something else I just thought of too. This is bonus, everybody. Uh -oh. This is for free. What about proactive things that actually help you? Like, um, do you remember the Prometheum pipes in yeah. 7th edition? Now, I don't know what they do currently in this edition because no one uses them, but remember they would add like six or eight inches to flamer weapons, but yeah. they got gets hot. And if oh, you yeah. rolled a one, you killed yourself. Yeah, because you're basically pumping un, un, uh, basically imagine taking crude oil and pumping it into a flamethrower. This is yeah. what the Prometheum is. Yeah, so, so, I mean, that those type of things, um, or what about an ammo dump? Like, oh, yeah. we found an ammo dump, okay, now we reroll ones to hit, or... 
like, I mean, it doesn't all have to be bad. You can yeah. also do positive things. Yeah, like, you, oh, for example, you find this this facility. Once you get into it, you roll. Turns out it was a bullet factory. Yeah. And it still is cranking out ammunition, even with nobody there. It's self-automated. Yep. Gives you extra shots or something. Makes you all of your rapid-fire weapons fire at rapid-fire two instead of one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's um. There's a lot of there's a a whole host of opportunities that you could do with it. And like we said, I'm really a fan of random tables. Um, you could either ran it, roll them every single turn, or like you said, roll them like three times in the very beginning of the game, and that sets the tone for the whole game. Yeah. Which is kind of nice because then you could use that same table a couple weeks later and get a completely different result. I'm also a big fan. Another thing I just thought about too is if it's a manufacturing world, why not dust storms? Oh, yeah. And have something like if you roll like, oh, God, he rolled a 12. That means it's a creeping dust storm. Yeah. So you roll either left or right. And then from the left side of the board, slowly, this dust storm is coming in. Mm -hmm. And as your units get caught in it, they get like plus two to their cover. That's like a get a plus two cover save. But they get like half their range. Or minus the hit even. Yeah, minus their ballistic skill. Yeah. Because it's like, holy crap, I can't see shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm pretty happy with that. I would like to use any of those in one of our games, honestly, and it would be pretty neat to actually play in a Manifact Forum. Absolutely. So, tell um, us what you think, guys. Yeah, actually, um, this would be a good time for you to write into pimpcron, P-I-M-P-C-R-O-N, at gmail.com, and, um, uh, you know, if you have used these or have used anything like this, that would be interesting to hear from you, and otherwise, I think we're going to put a fork in this segment. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. No problem. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. Welcome to Real Talk with the Pimp Cron. I am your host, the Pimp Cron, and today I'm joined by my lovely other half, my baby cannon, Mandy. Hi. Hi. So <laughs> now we shake hands. This yes. is very formal. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Yeah. Um, do you have any children? Do you have Do you have a wife? Yes, that would be you. Oh, that's me. We've been over this. Sorry. It's kind of a 50 first dates kind of thing. Um, so anyway, I uh, wanted to talk tonight about the wife's perspective of Warhammer or being married to a Warhammer player and how that may affect your life. Oh my goodness, where do I start? Okay, so let's start at the beginning. You know, when we got married, I remember we had um, our vows. It was the standard cafeteria variety. There wasn't any a la carte options. And, and nowhere in there was there ever, um, you know, to, to Warhammer do us part or something <laughs> along those lines. But, you know, when you get married, a lot of people go through the the thought that you can look now, but you can't touch. Well, then then Warhammer comes into it. And um, with Warhammer, there's a lot of touching and fingering and generally making over the models. So it's like a new girlfriend. It is a lot like a new girlfriend. Lots of money going out. True. Yeah. Yeah. Late nights. So one thing that I uh, have come across is that once you got into Warhammer, once you found Warhammer, uh-huh, yeah, my um, path, your, <laughs> yeah, your path. <laughs> once you found Warhammer, um, there there began to have stuff. There began to be stuff 
everywhere. You know, there were books at the bedside. You brought books to bed. Yeah. Um, model. When we went on vacation, we'd go hours away, and you brought models and paint. We almost lost a child because there was a seat completely covered in models and paint. <laughs> Um, that collapsed that one time. I took a turn too sharp, and we yeah. almost lost a kid. It is that is true. The door flung open. Yeah. It was not good. Um, so for the most part, it, the stuff everywhere kind of leads more into a polygamous relationship at that point. It's true. It does take up a lot of room. Well, every day when you come home from Warhammer, it always goes back to Howl's Warhammer. Like you're going away to your <laughs> second family to come back. Do you ever get envious that I line up my models and tell them how my day was? You do that? I do that, yeah. Remember every time that you go like, hey, how was your day? And I'm like, oh, I'll talk about it later. And we never talk about it. Oh, okay. Because you had already gone over it once. It's because my Necron Warriors already heard it. Well, I don't really feel like repeating it. Yeah, and then once you go, you know, then we talk about the models. Okay, so I can get into the fact that this is a hobby that you enjoy and it takes away time from me and, uh, <laughs> and our relationship. And our children. And our children. But then it goes back to the money. So not only do you have this other entity, you also have these little children, if you were, and you have to provide support to them. So you're basically, by getting into Warhammer, you're basically now taking on child support. I can't deny that. Okay. Yeah. Um, the only difference is that my boss refuses to take that out of my paycheck each week for Warhammer, which I have specifically asked her and she will not do. Yeah. I wish she would, because then I wouldn't see the money. In it. I, I, that, you and me both. Yeah. It wouldn't <laughs> be as big of a competition. Uh so one thing that I did find is that this is a great thing for you. Uh, gets you out of the house, lets me meet new friends, uh, have people over. I have a night all to myself with the children. So That's that, true. that is a good thing. But you also get a chance to meet some really great guys. Um, and that that alone is a great thing for you. Good friends, good people. And unfortunately, even though they're really good, you meet in the store where your addiction is taking place, and they unfortunately encourage you to have excessive gratuitous spending. Yeah. So it's kind of like a supportive, like a poorly supportive organization to help you with your addiction. I also can't really argue with that. I mean, crackheads hang out with crackheads, so that's, you gotta have somewhere to hang out. That's basically we're all chilling at our dealer's pad and <laughs> hiding from our wives and our responsibilities, uh, and just cooking up the plastic. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm not really sure if I can add too much more to that other than you basically now have two wives and many, I don't know, thousands of children for which you have to support. That is the truth, and I care for them. Think about this. My my army transports are basically the beds that I make for them. Mm -hmm. And I clothe them with paint, Yeah, and I take great care with them. You know, I have visitation with them. Every week I pull them out and I play with them, and I tell them that I love them and they're special to me. And uh, so if you think about that, that's actually a pretty good analogy. Well, I'd really like it if you would remove the big one, you know, the big model you have in bed. That If you could take that <laughs> that one out of bed, I think that would make... My Stompa. Yeah, that, that would make... You, no. Do you have an... What's the nickname for that one? No, I don't have a nickname. You don't have an nickname? It's you, just Stompa. Well, I, I hear you saying things in your sleep. And yeah, kind I, of like, I cuddle with it. Okay. 
It's not, it's not a big deal. I don't know why you're making this such a big deal. Any of my listeners probably also cuddle with a stompa. Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You make this sound weird is what it is. Hey, you know, to each their own. But I personally don't have a plastic figure for which, well, well I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> All right. So, um, um, but also, you know, you've seen firsthand how much it actually does affect me as far as, you know, my summers are very, very busy and it's a nice stress relief for me. And I go over there and it's cool that in one night of the week, I don't have to get phone calls about work. I don't have to be bothered by customers. I don't have to, I literally go over there to that store and just chill out with my friends. And even if I don't play Warhammer and just hang out and talk, it is like a completely different world. And I can go over there and I'm not a husband. I'm not a father. I'm not a manager. I'm not anything except for Pimpcron. And it's, it's like, I don't know, like a hot spa treatment or something like what, uh, like a, res, uh, retreat. a retreat. Yeah. Yeah. Like a retreat. It is a great option, a good uh, availability. I mean, there's very few times as a full-grown adult, unless you get into sports or something along those lines, that you can meet new people that have good intents for the most part. They're good people in general, just like most geeks. I mean, I'm not saying you guys are geeks or anything, but... That's, no, this is not. That, this is, this is definitely, yeah, this is a manly sport. Do you know of, how many of us wear beards? I mean, I don't mean grow beards, but like we wear the Santa beards with the elastic. You, that, that's pretty manly. That's pretty manly. You can't argue with Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but seriously, it does give you guys a great opportunity to get out, meet some new people, and um, create good relationships that most people don't have the opportunity for, um, including myself. I don't play Warhammer, and I have no intent to in the future. I'm yes, glad you do. I've tried very hard to get you into Warhammer, and you just, your comment to me was, you don't like rolling so many dice which is very weird to me because, I mean, why does any orc player ever play orcs is because he wants to roll 100,000 dice when he shoots. Isn't that Space Marines too? Um, they, they shoot, but they're, they're good at shooting. They don't shoot a lot. That's orcs, really sad that I know that kind of stuff yeah. and I don't play. What can you say? Can you give any advice at all to guys to not piss off or irritate their significant other? Like, is there, what, what advice would you give them? And inadvertently, you're also giving it to me that to kind of, you know, cause like there was, um, my first year of Shorehammer, I was so entrenched in Shorehammer. There was so much prep to do and I was still playing Warhammer each week. I was still blogging Warhammer each week. And I was doing nothing but answering emails and sorting orders. If and... I would have heard Shorehammer or Warhammer one more time, I probably would have would have killed you yeah probably and, i was getting close and you had a serious issue with it yeah. because i would i would work all day i'd come home and i was either blogging or i was playing or i was working on shorehammer so remember there was a time where and i even wrote an article about it for those of you who might remember that um that we actually had to have a sit down and i had to back away from warhammer for I mean, not stop playing. I still played it, but I didn't have people over all the time to play. I tried not to mention it. I tried not to leave my models on the counter. Yeah. And you've significantly which... improved, actually, since that time. You know, yeah. there, there's not nearly as many models out. You do have the shed now that you can use sometimes. So you, I'm assuming that one of your biggest suggestions you would have is don't leave all of your Warhammer paraphernalia around. 
Yes, yes, that is huge because if I turn around and I'm cooking dinner and the next thing I see is Warhammer crap on my counters, yeah. that's a little irritating when I've spent 35 minutes making dinner or an hour making dinner and then I have to clean your Warhammer stuff off the counter before I can even serve dinner. But I can't touch the Warhammer models because if I drop one or if I put it in the wrong place and it gets lost, then you kind of have an issue. Yeah, because that's happened in the past. It has. I, I will be um, batch painting a small squad of something and I leave it on the counter, and a day or so I forget about it, you know, and a day or so later I can't find it. And then I have to hunt you down and go, where's my stuff? And you go, oh, well, I think I put it over here. Because it has no value to me. I just know it's these little plastic figures that you yeah. like to feel all over. And then the children get a hold of it, and mm. that's a whole issue. So is there anything else besides leaving stuff out that really people should avoid to not piss off their significant other? In general, not that we don't enjoy the fact that you have a hobby and that you can entrench yourself in that hobby and fully enjoy all the aspects of it, the the lore and the gaming and the, the different um, styles of play, you know, the mass armies versus the smaller bunches that hit harder. You know, not that we don't enjoy that you can enjoy that, but hearing about it all the time is very bothersome because it is not our hobby. So it's great for the first year, two years, three years, five years. After that, it gets a little annoying to hear about it all the time. But that goes back to when I was canning, when all I did was canning all the time. And mm -hmm. I used to can jellies and jams. That was, you listened to me, but if that's all I talked about every single day, you'd get sick of hearing me talk about canning and different techniques for canning. Yeah, um, or if you were in any other hobby, like if you were in knitting, or if you were in um, uh, like a sport, mm -hmm. or you were into a TV show, or anything, you know, and you're constantly like, hey, guess what, Kim Kardashian, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that, it, now, specifically, if you're talking about the Kardashians, we'd probably be divorced by now, but any any more reasonable topic, you know, it would get really irritating. I do enjoy Little Pump. <laughs> little Pump. <laughs> you mispronounced it. It's a little Oh, I'm sorry. L I L. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't else? even know where to go with that one. But um, what else? That's really it. I mean, really, for so the most part. Don't talk about it all the time. Don't talk about it all the time. Don't leave your crap everywhere. You know, it's okay for you to have a designated. It's no different than men that go to, go to the bar once a week. Or it's okay for you to have your time playing the game, um, and enjoying the game. But don't make it our time. It's not mm -hmm. something that I want to do. It's not something that I need to see all the time and have it on my counters and not really be able to clean it up. Or, you know, I don't want to necessarily paint with you. I don't want to necessarily sit down and read with you on this book that I have no clue who the emperor... I do know who the emperor is. After all this time, I do know who the emperor is. Emperor be praised. Yes. <laughs> Heretic. <laughs> uh, anyway, but that's really, the, I guess, the take-home point. Also make sure I would suggest from my personal experience, you know, how many times have I been hobbying and I'm lost in hobbying and I'm painting or I'm modeling or I'm doing whatever and you try to talk to me and you get like um, uh, grunts from me? <clears throat> yeah. No. <clears throat> you completely and lost. I'm totally yeah. not paying attention to what she's saying. And that's that's a pretty big deal too. Um, because, you know, in general, your spouse wants to spend time with you. They want to hear how your day was. And all that sort of thing. And if you're just, you know, really phoning the conversation in, they're going to, number one, tell. And number two, you know, your your relationship will suffer for that. 
because like like she already said you know it shouldn't be the second wife or second husband in the relationship like it should not be a polygamous relationship now i mean if you want some hot warhammer side action that's a little different once a week you go see your warhammer mistress or whatever you know i think that's fine do you agree she checked for diseases yeah no she's clean okay so um (laughs) (laughs) as long as she gets tested i'm good Okay, well, it's just plastic, so. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for being on. I appreciate it. Uh, it's a pleasure, as always. Yeah. Um, I don't know when I'll see you again, but. Well, now you're going to involve yourself in Warhammer tomorrow, I prob- believe. Actually. All, all, like, most of the day. Okay, this is bad timing, but yes, that's what that is, but. Yeah. And this is going on during our date night. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I may edit that out. (laughs) Anyway, this has been a fun conversation. Toodles. Let's get brutal. Now is the portion of the show where we get brutal with the Pimpcron, and I discuss a small excerpt from the lore or the background of my free rules, Use Your Own Models, RPG light skirmish war game called Brutality Skirmish War Game. Of course, it can be found at the link in the show notes. And I do not want to spend too much time on this each episode because I don't want to bore you. I know this is primarily a Warhammer podcast, but guess what? It's also a Pimpcron podcast. And this has taken about three years of my life to painstakingly forge this narrative and forge this uh, game system and make it basically the game that I would want to play. And um, so I will just give you a snippet each episode of the background of this, and I hope it interests you in some way or the other. So this is the background uh, idea behind the game. In the dawning years of humanity, the old gods ruled. They came from the sky, and they were powered by the faith of their subjects. But as the ages passed, new religions and science and atheism eroded the faith in the old gods, and they suddenly found themselves back in the ether realm where the gods reside in ageless eternity. Now, are these really gods, or or are they extraplanar beings, or are they just really powerful aliens? Um, Who's to say? It's really up to anybody, and I like to keep that open like that. Um... As far as old gods, what I'm speaking of is primarily the Sumerian, the Babylonian, and whatnot, um, gods of the old. You could even say the Roman uh, and Greek pantheon and all that as well. Um, but Ishtar is the main antagonist of this, and she's the creator of it all. She's the ancient goddess known as the Great Whore of Babylon, and um, she was a Sumerian goddess of life and death and of rebirth and war. During her time on Earth, she spurred her followers to commit um, great acts of lustful depravity and remorseless savagery, Ishtar was not content to be contained in the ether Realm and devised a plan to win back her position of power in the mortal realms. So, with her power depleted, she spent a millennium mustering small portals to snatch up mighty beings from the mortal realms and trapping them in her timeless realm. So, She has made this pocket dimension, and it is a timeless realm. You do not age one second while you're in here. And meanwhile, um, you know, all of this, you could be in this realm for 6,000 years before you find a way out. And when you finally find a way out, you are plopped right back in your own timeline, in your own dimension, and no time has passed. So this is like a terrible little hell, basically. 
And um, with her existence proven to each new captive, um, their faith slowly replenishes just a sliver of the power that she once wielded when she was, you know, top dog back in the day. And with each passing age, the population of the captives um, is growing as well as her ability to stoke the flames of brutal murder and rebirth on her, in her own realm that she's created. Um, the land that she's created is called um, many different things by many different people, and it's constantly changing. Although there is one thing that remains the same. Dotted across <clears throat> this enormous continent that drifts in the sea of mystery um, lay thousands of altars, um, altars of Ishtar, where, she ca where her captives are able to worship her. And um, they need to draw a little bit of blood and say a prayer to her, and she will um, bestow some sort of a blessing on them uh, sooner or later. Um, also, you're gaining favor from her. One might wonder why her victims might want to, I don't know, murder strangers and friends for the chance to pray at one of her altars. And in tithing this precious energy and devotion to the dark goddess, they may win her favor and they will be blessed with resources to better survive in this terrible realm. Um, but why would you want her favor necessarily? Well, each equinox, she chooses the most devout inhabitant to be granted leave back to their own time and place as if nothing ever happened. And thus, the flames of brutal savagery are stoked as each person betrays brother to be the one to worship the most at an altar. So, giving Ishtar the attention she craves has other benefits. Her favor comes in many forms and could be anything from a cache of new weapons mysteriously appearing at your door to the secret location of your enemy whispered in your ear at night. In this realm, only death and rebirth are known. Only the tearing of skin and breaking of bones is felt. Even the most saintly person is soon driven to bloodlust as they experience the burning of slashed flesh and the empty stupor of their lifeblood draining away on a nearly daily basis. Okay, because if you're not willing to be violent here, trust me, there's plenty of other people that would be willing to be violent on you. Um... As they, as they witness their loved ones brutally murdered time and time again, you know, um, and they, it, it really harms them. And as they die over and over again, it mentally warps them. So this is basically, I'm not trying to make light at all of PTSD, but it literally is a, PT, a world of people with PTSD. They have post-traumatic stress disorder from all of the murders they've been forced to commit and all of the murders they have had happen to them and on their friends. So this is a terribly, terribly dark um, setting. And um, uh, they're forced to do unspeakable acts of depravity in a desperate effort to either wish it, uh, win Ishtar's favor or just survive another day. And each time someone is killed in this realm, they wake back up in the place where they woke up last, clothed and armed as they were when they died. But the memories of death are not easily shaken, and each time they're slain takes them closer to the edge of insanity. So there you have it. That is the brief gist of what this game is about. People do not die permanently, but they keep the emotional and mental scars of it. And um, this entire thing, you know, at first, like, oh, not dying permanently, that doesn't sound like a serious thing. This setting, once you start thinking about the actual mechanics of never dying... This gets real dark real quick. And um, uh, even using people for food and all kinds of things, there's ways around this. So 
Um, I hope you stick with me, and I hope you enjoy listening to this each week. And I will wrap it up for this episode, and I will talk to you next week. <laughs>